Well, this is the second week of uh, a message series called Dream Chasers that we're doing. And the story from Scripture that we are studying uh, as we talk about chasing dreams is the story of Joseph from the book of Genesis. And last week we saw his dream life kind of turn into a nightmare. And this week we're going to uh, look at his story again and get some insights into our own lives and what to do when the dream becomes a nightmare in our life or when we're in the middle of a, a storm. And last week I gave you a little reading guide, and I um, don't know if there's some extra ones of those, but several of you signed up to follow that reading guide, and I think that would be very helpful if you uh, didn't do that to be a part of that. I'm sure there are some here somewhere, but I forgot to get them before worship as we were uh, scrambling to get the computer to work. But uh, I'll find one of those if you didn't get one, and I would encourage you to read his story uh, in the book of Genesis. Today we're continuing Joseph's story, and we'll see that Joseph indeed experienced plenty of adversity, and we're going to talk about that this morning. Joseph was one of uh, 12 sons. He was the youngest, second to the youngest, and his father's favorite, and his brothers weren't very happy about that, and there was some tension that came from that. And that tension multiplied when his dad gave him a special robe that uh, indicated that he was going to be the heir, the uh, primary heir of his estate. He would get the double portion, uh, considered the firstborn uh, of his sons. And, of course, this didn't go very well with his brothers, and it got, the tension got even greater when Joseph started to have some dreams. He had a couple of dreams in which uh, he indicated that, that indicated his brothers would someday come and bow down before him. And, of course, this was uh, kind of not the best uh, uh, thing to tell his brothers, but in his kind of maybe immaturity or something, instead of keeping this to himself and wondering about it, he, he boasted about it to his brothers. And it got to the point where his brothers hated him so much that uh, at one point when they were off in a field, kind of uh, away from father's watchful eye, they plotted and put together a plan for getting rid of this favored son. And uh, that's where we left Joseph off last week. He was stripped of his multicolor robe and sold to a band of Ishlamite slave traders who were headed for Egypt. Now you can kind of imagine what this change of circumstances was like for Joseph, to go from the top of the heap to the bottom of the heap, from, from going to his father's treasured possession to being in the possession of a bunch of slave traders, uh, not knowing, uh, you know, they just bought him like a commodity, and now he's on his way to Egypt. He has no idea who his new master will be, or what the conditions will be, and his dream has turned into a nightmare. What a long ride that must have been to Egypt, wondering about what's going to happen to him. And while none of us have experienced that kind of a turnaround in our lives where we've been sold into slavery, um, uh, except for in a spiritual sense, I guess, I didn't think about that, but uh, we know what it is to experience radical changes in our circumstances, don't we? or you have an accident, or someone passes away, or we get a medical diagnosis. And, and um, these kinds of changes in our circumstances can make it difficult to believe that God is with us, that God can work, at, work this all out. And, you know, maybe somebody's going through something like that this morning. 
But life sometimes throws curveballs, and we find ourselves in very different and difficult circumstances, uh, different than we had hoped they'd be, whether it's uh, around a marriage or around health issues or finances or uh, career. Uh, things turn out differently than we had hoped, and sometimes very differently. And whatever the dream is, there are often bumps in the road on the way to the dream. That happened to Joseph, and uh, actually it was more than a bump in the road for him, but uh, I think it'll help us to get more out of the message if we think about what are the circumstances in our life that maybe are a storm right now. Uh, maybe it doesn't seem like a nightmare, but what are the things that you're concerned about? What, what are uh, fears that you might have about the future, things that you're dealing with? There's a line in your message notes that I put in there uh, where you could write down, this is a storm I'm in right now. So take a minute as you think about that. I think it'll get, help you get more out of the message. For me, it's the computer in the back, <laughs> which may or may not be working. Is it working? Good. All right. We're not even there yet. All right, well, I want to give you some direction in what to do when the dream becomes a nightmare, when you find yourself in the middle of a storm. So we're going to start this morning in Genesis chapter 39. It's right up there on the screen, and we're going to begin right in verse 1. It says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of his guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had taken him there. Okay, so this is not so bad. He's been bought by the captain of uh, Pharaoh's guard. So here's the king of Egypt, and this guy's his captain, captain of his guard. So pretty high up in the hierarchy, a pretty good situation. But it gets even better than that. It says, The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. So if you're reading in your own Bible, I would encourage you to underline those words that the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. We're not two verses into this nightmare, and we discover that God is with him. God has his eye on Joseph. And um, despite all the horrible things that are happening, God is with him. And that's the focus of today's message that I want you to uh, this is the takeaway. When you find yourself in the eye of the storm, keep your eyes on God. When you find yourself in the eye of the storm, keep your eye on God. God will never leave you. He's the one who knows what's at the end of the, the storm, and he'll lead you through the nightmare and help you to live the dream on the other side. Just remember that God is with you. And so that's the first thing I want to write, want you to write there in your message notes. When the dream becomes a nightmare, whatever the circumstances, pray and remember that God is with you. You know, I wonder if uh, Joseph recognized God's presence with him. Uh, it's so easy. Uh, it is so easy for us, you know, when we're in the midst of a storm, to kind of um, look back and 
get stuck back there when we were dad's favorite or when the marriage first started or before the diagnosis, you know, to kind of get stuck in the past and miss God's provision right now in the midst of the storm because we're grieving and holding on to something that isn't and may never be again. But God is present and at work right now in whatever you're facing. So when you find yourself in a difficult place, stop and remember that God is with you, that he promises to never leave you or forsake you, and then begin to look around. And number two, then, is to recognize and acknowledge how God is providing for you right now. God is at work in your situation. If you'll just stop and step back, you'll be able to see how he's already providing for you. And, and that's so important to uh, your life when you're in the midst of a storm because God's able to open up new doors for you. He's able to find a surgeon that will take care of your needs. He's, he's able to open up new doors, but you have to be watching for him to open those doors. And the way that you watch is to look for the ways God's already at work in your life. To, to thank him and praise him for that, to acknowledge that. Um, praise releases God's power. That is just a spiritual principle. Praise releases God's power. So look for God's, where God is at work in your life. Begin to praise him and thank him for those things. And watch for the new doors and the new things that God is doing. And that's what happened. Um, well, I want to, first we've got to look at this question. The second question in your bulletin is, if you're in the midst of a storm, where do you see God at work in your situation? So maybe you can't think of that this morning. Uh, maybe you, something immediately comes to mind. But if not, I would encourage you this week to sit down uh, with your message notes, with this story, whatever, uh, to pray about it, to begin to think about where, where is God at work in my situation? What have I seen God do? What provision has he already brought? To, to praise him for those things, to, to list them even, and, and to write something down there and to begin to thank God for it as he opens doors for you. Look how what happened to Joseph when he didn't get stuck in the past and uh, when he looked to God. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. So Potiphar recognizes there's something different about this young man. Uh, he kind of stands out. Everything he touches ever, goes well. Uh, when he organizes a banquet, it goes off without a hitch. Uh, when he's in charge of some servants, uh, everybody does what he uh, asks them to do. And so he stands out to Potiphar. And he finds favor with him. He recognizes that God is guiding him, and he makes him his attendant. Now, God was not, God's hand was on Joseph, and so Potiphar puts him in charge. But not only was God's hand on Joseph, God began to prosper everything in Potiphar's household. The next uh, scripture says that he began to bless everything that Potiphar owned, uh, both in his house and in his field because of Joseph's presence there. So in verse 6 it says, So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he didn't concern himself with anything except for the food that he ate. <laughs> so here's Potiphar. He puts everything in his household, everything in his fields, all of his servants, everything 
in Joseph's care, the only thing he was concerned about is what's on the menu. Uh, you know, are we going to have a lasagna? We had that last week, you know. Uh, the only thing he cares about is what they're going to eat, what he's going to eat. So things are looking up for Joseph again. But this is where the story takes another difficult turn. And isn't that how it is in life? When you, you think, well, things are getting better, and then, oops, not so much. And uh, just when things seem to not be going so, get, so bad, uh, look with me at verse 6 as we pick up this story here. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph. So Potiphar had noticed him, but so did his wife. And she said, come to bed with me. So now if you haven't read the stories, I think you're probably interested, right? Uh, It's getting a little more interesting. But he refused. He said, with me in charge, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he is entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you're his wife. (laughs) How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. So Joseph is miles from his family. He's in a different culture. They worship different gods. He's had to take on a different kind of lifestyle, different clothing, uh, you know, had cut his hair, the whole thing. He's in this whole new place, and yet he wants to live to please his God, the God of Jacob, the God of Abraham. And he wanted to please him with his decisions. His eye was on God every minute. And, you know, the temptation, the seduction didn't go away. She kept pursuing uh, and putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to give in to her. And the text says that he refused to even be with her. If she was in a room, he went a different direction. And, you know, sometimes the problems that we have in our lives, uh, our lives become a nightmare because we didn't distance ourselves from the things that are a snare to us. And sometimes the nightmares that we find ourselves in could have been avoided. But once you're in a storm, like Joseph, uh, number three, resolve to honor God and others while you're there. Joseph did everything that he could to keep his name clear, to honor God and his master. And he kept out of Mrs. Potiphar's way as much as possible. But one day when no one was around, Mrs. Potiphar came, grabbed him by the cloak, demanding, you know, again, come to bed with me. And he pulls himself away. He has to just kind of get out of his robe or his cloak or whatever and leave her standing there with it as he runs from the room. And she's just miffed. You know, she's insulted. And so she screams. And when the servants come in, she says, you know, my husband's brought this Hebrew slave here to insult us, and he's tried to assault me. And look, he's left his robe behind. And so when Potiphar finds out about it, he's furious. He has Joseph thrown into jail and into prison where the king keeps his uh, prisoners. And once again, Joseph's dream has become a nightmare. 
Even after all he had done to honor God and to be loyal to his master, he ends up in a dungeon. Now, what do we make of this? Uh, How do we understand this from the perspective of a loving and good God? Joseph ends up in prison. And at this point in the story, it would be easy for Joseph to say, I give up, you know, uh, to completely abandon God, to throw up his hands and say, you know, I tried to keep my chin up in the midst of all this. And, you know, I even had one of those frog buttons, you know, fully rely on God on my cloak. And look, now she's got it, (laughs) you know. But God was still with him. Uh, Look at verse 20. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with Joseph. Are you, are you getting this theme throughout here? God never, ever leaves you. The Lord was with Joseph. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. God is able to grant you favor, to, to be with you, to work conditions and circumstances in your life for your good. Uh, whatever circumstances you're in. And next week we're going to see once again that Joseph shines. The prison guard puts him in uh, charge of everything in the prison and everyone in it. And, you know, I think if you and I were like the um, omniscient God, which we're not, by the way, (laughs) he seems to have uh, higher ways and understanding than we do, um, but if we were, if we knew there was this drought coming, like God did, and if we were going to raise Joseph up to a position of authority where he could save his family's life and the lives of thousands of other people from starvation, if we were going to prepare him, I think we would go about it very differently than God did. Um, I think most likely that we would send him to the best university to get a degree in agri-science. Uh, that we would uh, have him get a doctoral thesis, do a doctoral thesis on grain storage and distribution, assign him into an intern, internship at the Chicago Board of Trade, and we would provide the most advanced cu- computer to calculate, you know, how much grain needs to be put away in the abundant years in order to provide for the lean years. But what does God do? Uh, he allows Joseph to be sold into slavery thrown into a prison. Joseph gets his degree in administration as a slave in Potiphar's household. As a prisoner in the king's prison, he's put in charge of the distribution of of, uh, scarce resources, namely bread and water. Uh, But for about 11 years, 11 years, Joseph was prepared for what God was going to do through him through trials and difficulties, suffering and injustice, before God elevated him to a position that was second only to Pharaoh. And, you know, we actually get a glimpse of what Joseph, uh, what God was doing in Joseph's life in Psalm 105, uh, verses 15 and 18, if the computer is still working. All right, I'll just read it to you. Um, There the psalmist says that he, uh, God, called for a famine on the land of Canaan, cutting off its food supply, and then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. There in the prison they bruised his feet with fetters, 
placed a neck, his neck in an iron, iron, iron collar. So, you know, this wasn't a, a nice place to be. <laughs> Until the time came to fulfill his word, the Lord tested Joseph's character. God was using that time, every moment of it, to grow Joseph up. He was learning not only how to administer and to manage resources, he was learning humility. Uh, He was maturing as a man of faith, uh, growing his trust in God and as a person in his character. God wants to use the difficult times in our life to grow our character and to teach us to trust him. And that's the fourth um, step there in your bulletin. Uh, persevere in trusting God when you're in the midst of a storm. God wants to use every situation in your life to grow you, to develop your character, so that you can become the kind of person that God can use in great ways. And he will do that and bring you out on the other side if you persevere in trusting him. And I I decided to use the same memory verse for the whole... uh, series this time, because I think that this verse fits each of the topics well. It also helps us to memorize if you just get one for the, for the whole series. So let's read it together. It's from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Thank you, Lord, for the scripture on the screen. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We don't always understand why God allows things to happen in our lives. But if we continue to trust him, he'll direct our paths, he'll lead us through it. I want to take a minute as we close and have you look at that storm that you wrote down or bring it to mind. If there's some area of your life that's become a nightmare or if you're going through some kind of a storm, whatever it is, God has his eye on you. Absolutely. God has his eye on you, and he wants you to keep your eye on him. The meal that we're uh, sharing this morning is our reminder that he can turn a nightmare into joy. If you will keep your eye on God when you're in the eye of a storm. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we, uh, we praise you and thank you for your word because as we look at it and we read how you work in the lives of uh, people that you love, we know that uh, you can work the same ways in our life, that whatever the difficulty we face is, you can bring us through it and you can provide for us and for others in the midst of it. And I ask this morning, God, that if there's anyone who has some questions or doubts or concerns about the future or something that's going on in their life, that they would just experience your peace and and be able to put it down this morning, to lay it at the foot of the cross as we come for communion and share this meal together, believing and trusting in you, God, that, that you will bring them through it and that you're able to, to take care of every need. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.